Welcome to the Sunday Times Politics Weekly, where we explore the week's big political stories. I'm Mike Siluma, and thanks for joining us. Rising crime in our country, which has involved citizens of neighboring countries, seems to be putting a strain on South Africa's relations with sister countries in the region. Coming to mind, the rape outrage that happened uh, on the West Rand, blamed mainly on illegal foreign miners. Joining us now for our conversation is Clayson Muniela, Deputy Director General for Public Diplomacy in the Department of International Relations and Cooperation. With immediate effect. When people resort, and I quote, in two years' time, Eskim's problems will be a thing of the past. People won't even remember load shedding. Unquote. They put saliva on the paper. I'm in charge. That's why these fools are running around here. I'm in charge. And then they share that zone. Point of order, Jefferson. Point of order. The ruling party by strength of order. Must step aside within 30 days. No, I'm not going to apologize. He has no brains whatsoever. The AFP president was sabotaged again yesterday. Well, sabotage, that can be This is not a Shakespeare. Uh, welcome to the show, Jason. Uh, Thank you very much uh, for having me on your platform. Much appreciated. Yes. Now, this week, you responded to Mr. Ngumalo, the uh, Eswatini government spokesperson, in in terms that were particularly strong after he made the comments in relation to the Gadi uh, murder. Why did you respond so strongly? You know, as lay people, we think, oh, no, diplomats usually use very soft language. You know, they never get angry. They never, you know, uh, intervene like that. Why, why did you respond, respond so strongly on behalf of our government? In fact, we were very soft. We were very diplomatic. We could have used uh, even stronger language uh, because when somebody is speaking in his capacity as a representative of another government and you characterize South Africa in the manner that he did, which is factually incorrect, which is completely out of context and ignores uh, geopolitics, but also historical relations between the two countries, but also effects on the ground uh, that affect the topic in question that he was addressing. Here's the thing. There is no country in the world that is immune from crime, including the kingdom of Eswatini. That's why every country has a criminal justice system. So when you say South Africa is infested with uh, a cancer of crime from top to bottom. Uh, this top that you're referring to is that the head of state, is that government, uh, and and on what basis are you saying that? So we thought that uh, in diplomatic terms, um, it's something that's not done. That's why we took a dim view and sought to get an explanation uh, from the Swati government as to what does this mean. We met with them, by the way, uh, you're the first people to hear this. We we, we had a meeting with them this morning uh, where we sought to get an explanation uh, and made our uh, views known that uh, we strongly uh, reject this characterization of South Africa. And um, they, they agree with us that that statement does not represent the views uh, of the kingdom. So, so that's why we thought we needed to respond that way because in diplomacy, you teach people how to treat you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so can we take it that on that front, the matter is is resolved and, and closed? 
Yeah, well, because now we know that uh, that that view is not a view shared by the government uh, of the kingdom of uh, Eswatini. Uh, but also the context is that this is a neighboring country with whom we've got excellent relations with, which are historical. And that's why we were quite surprised and taken aback that somebody speaking on behalf of the kingdom uh, could uh, utter such utterances, such words, and characterize South Africa in the manner that he did, which we we we, we thought was uh, un- very unfortunate, number one. But number two, it was an insult to the people of this country and to the government of this country. And that's why we needed to take it up through uh, normal uh, and proper diplomatic channels, which we did. Mm-hmm. But in general, though, how would you characterize the state of our relations with our neighbors? And, and, and how much are we impacted by the influx of their citizens into our country? Well, to, to answer the first question, we've got uh, very good relations uh, with uh, neighbors in the region of SADC. Uh, the SADC region is uh, historically a zone of peace and development, if you compare it with other regions in the continent. We haven't had uh, some of the political challenges that uh, other regions uh, on our continent are dealing with. So historically, we've always uh, maintained SADC as a zone of peace and development, uh, and that also uh, affects relations between countries in the region. And we've got excellent relations. I mean, the customs union is one uh, example of how uh, excellent the relations are to the effect that they also filter into trade and economic ties. Uh, I mean, the region is one of our strongest trading partners, and I'm putting them all together as countries in the region. So so that's the context. Uh, this matter of uh, international migration and there are pushing or there are, there are push factors that push people out of uh, uh, the countries in the region, and uh, they look for a country that is... Uh, in their view, stable, but offers better um, economic opportunities and therefore a better life, and they view South Africa as that country. It's not only limited to uh, economic migrants from our region, it's also other regions uh, on the continent and from other regions in the world. In fact, if you look at the number of uh, migrants that are living in South Africa, living and working in South Africa, uh, so South Africa can be categorized as what we call a receiving country. So you've got sending countries. That's where these migrants come from. There are countries that offer a safe passage for those migrants to pass through uh, to arrive at their final destination. In this case, that is South Africa, a receiving country. Now, here's the reality. There is a huge pressure on the resources of this country because you have to take care of your own citizens and now you've got this big number of uh, foreign nationals who are descending uh, on your country looking for better opportunities. Uh, That means you have to take care of them when they are sick and you have to accommodate them in your schools and they share the limited resources with your own nationals. So it is not an easy issue to manage. And that's why in the context of uh, the high poverty levels that we are still confronted with, in this country, you see the sort of sentiments uh, on social media from some of our nationals complaining about, you know, economic opportunities, job opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so the matter of the uh, international migration is not always negative in terms of its impact because a country can benefit if you attract skilled um, uh, foreign nationals who enter your country legally 
and get documented and contribute to the growth of your economy by bringing in much needed skills. What we have a challenge with in South Africa, however, is the phenomenon or phenomena of undocumented foreign nationals who are here and we don't have them on our database, on our books. So if any of them commit a crime, it becomes difficult, if not impossible, to trace them and arrest them and subject them to the courts uh, of our country uh, for justice to, to 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 prevail. So that that's the biggest problem that we have, and you can trace that to how our borders are being managed, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But the positive thing there is that Home Affairs has now introduced the new border management uh, authority, uh, and we're hoping that will assist in terms of uh, managing what is currently a very difficult issue of mm. closed borders. Mm. But uh, apart from the from the economic uh, tensions, you know that 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 arise as a result of the influx of foreigners, there is also the the national security question. No, indeed, um, and uh, that that's not uh, a small issue, by the way. Um, if you look at uh, the groups. Uh, of foreign nationals who are here, who have grouped themselves into wherever they come from, some of them heavily armed, uh, um, you know, carrying uh, guns that uh, South Africans don't even have. Um, uh, the question you are raising then uh, becomes even more serious. Um, the, the, I do know that the security agencies in our country are quite alive to this threat um, and uh, are handling that matter. Uh, through their processes, so so we 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 we're quite aware. It's, it's something that is firmly on our radar, uh, and you're quite correct. Uh, it becomes a national uh, security risk, mm. um, and it's not a small issue. Mm. Mm. In terms of uh, of uh, because you know t- clearly South Africa would like to keep good relations with all the neighbours. Are, are we engaging with the neighbours as to how to manage the, the 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 challenge? You know of 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 the migration of people across. You know back and forth across our borders, you know, in, in both directions. Yes. No, look, I mean, the one thing we must, we must say is that we mustn't be misinterpreted to, to say or to mean that uh, foreign nationals are not welcome in South Africa. They are certainly welcome. What we are asking for is for people to enter this country legally. We want them to be documented. We want to know where they are and what contribution they are making. If they're looking for better economic opportunities, it means they should bring skills, uh, ideally skills that we don't have in this country, in line with uh, uh, the uh, the list that is published by Home Affairs of critical skills that are required by the South African economy. Secondly, to say that, yes, we are engaging countries in the region. As I said, this is not limited to just countries in our region. Uh, You've got foreign nationals who come from other regions on the continent and other regions uh, in the world. If you look at how Lesotho uh, has reacted to the incident in Krugersdorp, where some of their nationals are alleged to be behind that horrific crime of young women being raped, uh, there is an apology that has come through from the Prime Minister of Lesotho uh, to our president. Uh, I saw it being reported in the media. In fact, it's already out there. That tells you that countries in the region uh, do understand the challenge, uh, the pressure uh, that is um, brought upon South Africa in terms of accommodating uh, this uh, huge number of foreign nationals uh, who are in South Africa, 
uh, particularly the ones who are undocumented. Uh, and as I say, when they do commit crime, then it becomes difficult to manage. So, so that apology alone tells you that uh, countries in the region uh, are not oblivious uh, to the kind of challenges that South Africa is confronted with, brought about by this phenomenon of uh, foreign nationals who are in South Africa. Uh, and unfortunately, most of them undocumented. Let, let, let's go broader, you know, in terms of our relationship uh, with with, uh, with with the rest of the continent, you know, beyond our own region, uh, and and talk about the African Union. The it, it, there was a time where you know it was said that South Africa was one of the leading countries, you know, we were, our countries on the African continent were providing leadership in the African Union. It, it, how would you characterize our role in the African Union at the moment? You know, the, the issue that we're discussing of uh, huge numbers of foreign nationals coming to South Africa to look for better economic opportunities, that alone tells you that South Africa still occupies uh, a leadership position in terms of the continent because we still remain the most industrialized country on the African continent, uh, certainly the most dynamic economy, um, diverse, uh, dynamic, and offers uh, uh, better opportunities than most uh, countries on the continent. Um, so, so that position uh, has not been. Um, we still occupy that position. I would argue quite strongly. When we chaired the African Union two years ago, uh, some of the programs that we came up with. Uh, I, again, uh, uh, gave testimony to the fact that South Africa is still regarded as a leader uh, on the African continent. Uh, despite the many challenges that we are confronted with, uh, South Africa um, is still a, a country that is sought after in terms of providing leadership, not just on the African continent, but in global affairs. Uh, I mean, we are still the only African country that is a full member of the G20. And the G20 is the group of the world's most uh, developed economies. Uh, we are still the only African country that is a member of BRICS, which is a, a very influential uh, grouping in terms of geopolitics. Um, each time the, uh, the BRICS leaders meet, the world sits back and takes notice uh, and wants to know what the BRICS leaders are saying uh, on uh, topical foreign policy matters. So, so, so I would, I mean, the G7, whenever it meets, they never meet without inviting South Africa, despite the fact that we are not a member of the G7, because they want South Africa's input uh, in terms of decisions that they would have to make, uh, particularly to accommodate the views of developing countries. So when we speak, uh, we carry the aspiration, uh, the aspirations of the SADC region of the African continent and broadly of the developing world. Mm. What would you say is, uh, are the big issues, not all of them, but some of the key issues that the, that the continent and the African Union are confronted with today? Look, I mean, this continent is largely still grappling with the issue of poverty and underdevelopment. Uh, that then tells you that you've got huge levels of unemployment, uh, particularly amongst young people. Uh, and you see that uh, uh, being expressed quite uh, uh, visibly in South Africa itself. We've got a lot of young people, even uh, graduates who are sitting at home. Uh, uh, that's the same picture that you would find in many of the African uh, countries. So, so for me, those would be three of the main issues that this continent is still grappling with and needs to find answers very fast to. 
uh, Africa uh, uh, is a young um, continent in terms of its population. Uh, over 60%, I'm told, uh, of the population, of the over 1 billion people on this continent are young people. Uh, and if they unemployed, um, that tells you you've got a big problem. That for me, that would be one of the biggest challenges that the leadership of the continent has to address and find solutions to quite fast if this continent is to continue to develop and grow and catch up with the rest of the world in terms of uh, uh, developments. Mm. Just, just to talk about BRICS, we, we don't seem to talk much about it in the public discourse in South Africa. I, th- I think a lot of South Africans by now would even have forgotten or would be totally unaware that we're members of, uh, of, of the BRICS group, group of countries. Why is that? Yeah. Yeah, well, I wonder because uh, the BRICS leaders meet every year. There is a summit every year. Uh, and in fact, South Africa is taking over the chairship of BRICS uh, at the end of this year. So 2023, next year, we are going to be chairing BRICS, which means we are going to be hosting in South Africa the BRICS summit. So you'll have the president of China, the president of Russia, the prime minister of India, the president of Brazil here being hosted uh, by uh, President Ramaphosa. Uh, the BRICS is a quite an influential uh, grouping in terms of geopolitics, uh, more so because it's not just a club. It has actually grown and established institutions uh, that run uh, and support the work uh, that these five countries are, are, are doing in terms of the multilateral space uh, and influencing uh, what happens in the world. Just take, for example, the BRICS uh, New Development Bank. Uh, that bank is, uh, uh, I mean, if you look at the number of infrastructure projects that it funds and supports, not just in the BRICS member states, uh, but globally, it tells you uh, well, for now, uh, the, the focus was on uh, projects in the five countries, in South Africa and in the four other countries. Um, uh, and then, of course, uh, uh, you, you, don't, you then, then ex- uh, extend that influence uh, in terms of the, the work that is done by the BRICS Business Council. Uh, so South Africa has a chapter of its own, and then all the other countries have chapters. And then you've got the broader BRICS Business Council, uh, where business people from all these five countries meet annually uh, to exchange ideas uh, and explore opportunities in each other's countries. Uh, so the influence of BRICS is huge. Uh, so I, I would be surprised if South Africans uh, don't uh, by now appreciate uh, how strategic it is that South Africa is a member of BRICS, that we count China, which is the second biggest economy in the world, as a friend and as a strategic partner uh, that we meet with annually uh, on a number of levels, including as core members of BRICS. Which takes us to the question of Ukraine, because we have got one of the partner countries uh, in BRICS uh, being in conflict uh, with, with, with much of, uh, of, of, of the NATO group of countries, as well as with the United States. Uh, has that put, you know, uh, put pressure on, on, on our position? In other words, have we come under a lot of pressure to take sides? And, and what is our position? One of the one of the um, positive things about working for a country like South Africa is that we we we've got an independent foreign policy that we defend fiercely. We defend our independence fiercely. 
uh, we cannot be dictated to by anybody in terms of uh, how to conduct our foreign policy. So uh, even if you are a friend, when we disagree with you on the basis of what our constitution says, what our values and principles say, we will tell you that uh, you are a friend, but we don't agree with you on this one for these reasons. On the matter of the conflict between Russia and Ukraine, we've been from day one uh, advocating for peace because in a situation where there is fighting, uh, there is loss of life, there is destruction of uh, poverty, uh, I mean, uh, property and infrastructure, the most powerful call you can make is to call for peace. So we've advocated for diplomacy to be given a chance for negotiations, for meaningful dialogue, because a peaceful resolution of conflicts is what produces a durable solution that can be owned and defended by all, particularly the protagonists. Uh, so that's what we've been calling for. Those are the conversations we're having with Russia, uh, which is a strategic, a strategic friend and partner, uh, and they appreciate and understand our call. Uh, there was pressure, of course, from uh, the other side that we needed to um, you know, support what they were calling for sanctions and all of We don't think those things assist uh, when you've got a conflict of this nature. We think what uh, produces a solution. At the, end of, at the end of the day, even now, what is going to resolve that crisis or that conflict is negotiations. It's for people to sit around the table and agree and peacefully resolve that crisis. Fighting does not do that. Mm, mm. And and just lastly, in in terms of uh, just to go back to the to the, the the question of the African Union, are you finding it? Are you finding that um, we, we are able to make progress in in promoting the the promoting the actions of the continent in concert? In other words, to get African countries to act in concert on on multilateral platforms, you know, like the UN, for example. Yeah. So, so we try and do that. So, so at the UN, you would have the Africa group that meets, um, um, regularly whenever there's an issue on the table at the UN platform. Uh, we would meet as the Africa group uh, to share ideas, uh, compare notes and uh, seek to have a common uh, African position that we can then advance, which is uh, uh, in the interest uh, of individual members of the AU, but also broadly as a continent. That's what we do. Uh, you must know that uh, in diplomacy, what uh, countries always strive for or what uh, motivates them um, uh, or the objective that uh, they're trying to achieve uh, is based or informed by their national interest. So we would push the national interest of South Africa, which would be in line with what is good for our region, SADC, which would be in line with what is good for the African continent. That's why the Africa group then would meet regularly to compare notes and seek to push a common position. And we've been successful in many cases. Of course, there are times when the views are not necessarily um, the same uh, in those cases then you try and convince one another until you reach a consensus and then you move like that Okay, uh, Tlaisen Munyela Deputy Director General for Public Diplomacy in the Department of International Relations and Cooperation uh, we thank you very much for your time. Uh, I'm Mike Siluma until next time, do stay safe, stay blessed and let's do good for our country <laughs>